yo, what's good? Welcome to Unapologetic Live. I'm your host, Amla Epinobi. We got Taylor sitting next to me. What's up? Happy Friday. Yo, and Scott's in the producer's bay today. Hey, what's up, guys? We're going to have a very celeb-heavy show today because there's news that come out. We're going to be talking about who has the highest CO2 emissions among all the celebrities that we know and maybe love or maybe don't love. Will Smith putting out an apology to Chris Rock for the famous slap heard around the world. Brittany Griner, is she going to be coming back? from Russia and is there going to be a trade-off made by our country and their country? Texas is dealing with an influx of illegal immigration and just sending it straight up north to places like Washington, D.C. and New York City. How are these places dealing with it? Eric Adams puts out a response about illegal immigration and Wikipedia is suddenly changing the definitions of a lot of different words. Recession, the definition of definition itself. We're going to get into that on today's show. But before we do, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a new video for you guys. And every single time we go live, that is at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Before we even start, I want you guys to all start dropping predictions. Who, which celebrity do you think has the highest CO2 emissions out of this list that we're going to go through at the end of the show? And who else do you think is on the list? We got a 10, 10 celebrity list today. Who do you think is on that list? But first, let's get into the slap heard around the world and a man who's come forth, albeit brokenly, to apologize for his actions, Will Smith has broken his silence in what is a very, very awkward series of videos where he answers questions submitted about the slap. Who is he apologized to? Did Jada Pinkett Smith put him up to the slap? Apologizing for how he's affected other celebrities. And basically, we won't go through the videos. I'm just going to tell you the gist of it. You know, he says, Jada did not tell me to do anything. It was based off my own experiences, my own feelings. He has not yet been able to have a conversation with Chris Rock. As Chris Rock has told him, I will come to you when I'm ready, brother. He has spoken to Tony Rock and Chris Rock's mother, apparently, and apologized to them. He also issued a sincere and heartfelt apology to all those who are affected by the slap and specifically Questlove, who had to take the stage after it happened. Guys, how do we feel about this? I mean, when I think about Will Smith and I see just any video that he's in, I just feel bad for a man who has seemingly been whipped into submission by a woman who doesn't really seem to love him all that much. I'm going to be honest. If you watch any videos of him and their relationship, it seems to be a lot of turmoil. I feel bad for him. And Will Smith expresses that he does feel a lot of insecurity, and clearly that insecurity reached its peak on the night of the Oscars when he got up to slap Chris Rock. Uh, and, you know, that's all that I see when I when I look at him. Was the slap a horrible thing to do? Absolutely. Should people have cheered that on? No. And it doesn't seem like they really did. I think he took a lot of heat for what he did that night. Uh, and I just look at a broken guy, and I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, he's definitely Sorry. got that like hollow look in his eyes, which we may or may not have seen earlier this week in another presidential address or of some sort. But yeah. um, <laughs> it it was just it's like he feels very much dead inside and just like defeated mm -hmm. as a human being, and it's really just uncomfortable to sit there yeah. and watch. It just looks like some we're on the precipice of something bad happening in his life that I'm just like, ugh, I just feel bad for him. I don't know if we're on the precipice. I think a lot of bad things have happened in his life Yeah, recently. maybe already. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was the whole thing about his relationship drama with, like... The entanglement. With, yeah. She got and, into an entanglement. <laughs> oh, and you're God. still slapping someone else in front of the world 
for her honor, it's, yeah. uh, there's some weird, weird stuff going on. There's some weird stuff going on, and I just can't help but feel bad for him because you, you can tell, clearly he's a man of, of, of large talent. You know, he's been yeah. in a lot of different movies. He expresses himself well. He won the Oscar for Best Actor, and that was decided before he even went up and decided to slap Chris Rock across the face. And he seems to be somebody who's never recognized just how talented he is and has never been super sound in himself. That's what I get from it. Scott? Yeah, it looks like this is his least favorite role of all time is playing yeah. his real life. Yeah. So. Oh, that's difficult, man. Yeah. yeah. I've seen some interviews that he's done with some like roundtable actors where he's always talked about, like, you know, if I could just get to this moment in career, I'll, in my career, I'll feel sound in myself or I'll feel better about myself. And if that's, you know, we're going to talk about this in a later episode of just those things aren't going to fulfill you. Fame is not going to fulfill you. The acting is not going to fulfill you. You have to find fulfillment in what is your actual true reality. And that doesn't seem to be what has happened with Will Smith. I will tell you, he says he apologized to Tony Rock and, and Chris Rock's mom. I went and saw Tony Rock in Vegas. It was his last show in Vegas um, before he was on his way out. And he told an amazing joke about the Chris Rock slap. It certainly has not hit him to heart at all. He's like, you know, what Will did was wrong. He went up and slapped my brother. But man, have I been getting a lot of girls because of this situation. <laughs> and he told this joke about like how all these people have been creeping up to like call him like, oh my gosh, Tony, your brother got slapped. Slapped. And he's like, I pick up the phone and I'm like, I mean, he hit my brother, you know? <laughs> it's like they hit you. Yeah. Uh. He's like, you know, when they mess with your family, you know, what, what am I going to say? It was in front of TV and all in front of these people. He's like, I've been getting so many girls because of this situation. Hey, there's beauty from those ashes that he's getting. <laughs> yeah, you know, we all we all get out of the holes that we find ourselves in at some point or another. And Tony Rock has certainly managed to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's really it on the Chris Rock thing. Uh, I feel bad for all parties involved. Although uh, I think Chris Rock has made his way out of this and has gotten quite a bit of a boost because of it. He came out in some comedy special he was doing or, or set that he was doing somewhere and was pretty much just joking about it. And right. it seems like he's like, I mean, he's not taking permanent. He, he handled it like a champ as right. well as anyone could. So no right. one's no one in this situation is like, oh, Chris Rock has this this uh, has some lasting negativity around him from it. No, it's all right. pretty much all on Will Smith. And it's just kind of a. It's still awkward. It's like the shockwaves of the slap are still sending awkwardness through the universe it that is. we're still feeling to this Forever. day. You know, he could have gone without even putting up an apology and just like lived his life. And I think people would have just been like, oh, it's okay. It's, yeah, fine. You know it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're sad for you. It's fine. Yeah. And, and you know, it's weird. That it's like all here getting like getting jiggy with it. Come on. And when you're out at a restaurant or something. And uh, it's just not the same. It no. just I just can't think back. I just think back to that awkward moment. It's and tainted. Just, yeah. And, and I mean, there's plenty of like artists with things that taint their artwork that I can still kind of enjoy it because whatever. But like yeah. for whatever reason, the Will Smith one in particular, I'm just like, it just killed the vibe for me, man. There's just such a deep sadness behind yeah. a man who should have a lot of machismo and he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, to your point, I love that Chris Rock, you know, he he poked fun at it at the situation at large, but um, you know, he's he's a consummate professional and just kind of was just like, look, this is clearly a personal issue that we're dealing with like behind closed doors. Yeah. Um and I'm not going to I'm not going to dunk on him and and like 
drag him through the gravel or anything like that. So, right. you know, kudos. He very easily could. Oh, absolutely. Chris Rock could be oh. eviscerating Will Smith oh, and no one yeah. would have a problem with yeah. it. 100%. So. And nobody can play the race card or anything because <laughs> it's two black guys just like going at each other. Yeah, there was a lot to be gained. And he, he stood aside and, and didn't do anything. It's a bigger person, as they say. And yes, guys, I do have a blanket, okay? I'm very cold. <laughs> I'm perpetually cold in the studio, in the office, everywhere. And Taylor and Scott make fun of me and I make fun of them for it. So... <laughs> The air, okay. the air conditioning is off now, and it's getting warm in here. But yet, you're still. I will using never the be affected by climate change. <laughs> I am constantly, <laughs> I am constantly freezing. If Amla had a private jet, she'd be flying it around even harder, <laughs> just so the worst would go faster. Please give me a private jet so I can emit some CO2 into the atmosphere. I'm over how cold it is in this goddamn office. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> guys, let's move on from Will Smith to uh, another another Delightful celebrity. Story. A delight delightful story uh you know sometimes guys sometimes we do drugs uh <laughs> and sometimes we bring them to foreign countries and sometimes those foreign countries do not like the fact that you have drugs on you and that is what happened to britney griner in russia and she was subsequently arrested is now going through this whole trial in court period has pled guilty to the charges as there's very very small likelihood that she would get acquitted in a country like russia that has a track record of not doing that for many people so here's time magazine uh, the cover, uh, which is uh, beautifully edited. I don't know what you want me to say about this. This looks like a really bad job. Yeah, I mean, just like the outline around her head, and it's Taylor it's was very, like, I could do a better job, which is not saying much. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's just kind of people were. This is not just my criticism. This was like mm -hmm. trending on yeah. Twitter. People were kind of laughing at the like amateur job done on Photoshop here, just like the way her head's cut out. And yeah, stuff. it's just kind of awkward. But, but aside from that, it's it's giving a very strong message of of what it says exactly here: Brittany Griner and the fight for freedom. So much in so so many interesting conversations to have here. First of all, Brittany Griner hated the United States of America. I think she's flipped a script on that one a little bit since she's been arrested in Russia. Uh, and I think she has a different outlook on freedom, or maybe she even understands what the word freedom means now. Which might this might be a lesson that she's very much needed. Another conversation point here is the fight for freedom. Come on now. And the person above this says it perfectly. She got caught with some effing carts in her luggage and they're making her out to be Harriet Tubman. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on now. Look at this. She brought marijuana to Russia. She got arrested for the marijuana. And that's the situation we find ourselves in. Well, the, the next uh, chapter of this is that we're offering to exchange a russian uh, arms dealer notorious arms dealer back to russia um in exchange for our nba our wnba player right who uh. who voluntarily broke their law so mm -hmm. that's the world arms dealer marijuana cartridges like really think about which one's a little heavier on that one an arms dealer Oh, I wish we had that TikTok of the the this guy on TikTok did like one of those uh, trade what is it trade analysis or whatever like an, it was like an NFL trade and anyway uh -huh. it was like I receive you receive and yeah I we get WNBA player who hates America and makes forty thousand dollars a year for yeah. this globally notorious arms dealer who's you know an internationally known criminal right. 
Could we find like like maybe like a, a Russian vodka smuggler or something and maybe train them? <laughs> yeah, that, and I mean, that's what's, got what's, to what's exist. A, a Russian hockey women's hockey player or something. Right. <laughs> we could right. What's, what's crazy too is I I read somewhere that she was uh, she was complaining that she was not read her rights after the arrest, and it's like, well, okay, that would that, you would have a uh, you know a complaint if you were arrested here in the United States, but yes, hey, that's would. a totally different country. <laughs> mm, your Miranda rights are are important here not over there young lady but again you know i'm i'm not gonna come out and say i'm against sort of trying to uh have some sort of trade or use diplomacy in order to get her back over here i think that was some that is something that we would expect for any american that's stuck in a foreign country and i think we can recognize that these are probably unforeseen circumstances on her part and she's in a situation that she never would have imagined that she was in much like the um kid who I think went to Singapore and broke one of their laws and ended up getting beaten by uh, the government over there or the guy who went to North Korea and stole a poster and ended up dying because uh, of his imprisonment over there. I would expect the government in some capacity to work to help to uh, retrieve a citizen of ours back to uh, our country. Uh, However, I hope it comes with a little change in mindset when that does happen for you. A little more appreciation for the homeland where you do have Miranda rights and where you don't get caned for infractions of spitting gum on the ground or something like maybe happens in Singapore. Right. And and all these people who are going to talk about Brittany Griner and the U.S.'s response to it are people who would turn around tomorrow and look at people who go America first and yell at them and call them racist and call them nationalist. But when Brittany Griner, an American, is stuck in another country, it's suddenly America first. And help your American citizens first. So when that shift happens for you, hopefully it comes with the realization that, oh, maybe that other side that I've been opposing for quite some time actually has something to say. And actually there is some merit to caring about American citizens and people who you you share a country and a homeland with before you worry about things happening in other countries. Just maybe. Isn't it interesting too? I feel like a lot of people um, they get they get mad about uh, people here in America not respecting other cultures here within the states. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, I feel like there's a lack of respect uh, in all of those people who you were talking about uh, yep. when they step foot into another country. It's like it's you're entering into a different world, and you need to recognize that. And it's not all about you anymore. Yes, yeah, it's very true. Exactly. We get all been out of shape about like the smallest infraction of cultural appropriation or whatever, but then we'll gallivant in another country and and you know, not care about their laws or not not do enough due diligence to even research them, get in trouble, and then blame our own country. <laughs> Perfect segue, Taylor. Speaking of gallivanting into another country, oh, let's gosh. talk about the U.S. border. <laughs> uh, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants have crossed the U.S. border, mo- mainly through the state of, of Texas, although here in California, where we all live, we are experiencing it as well, as well as all of the other states that line the U.S. border. So, Essentially, what the Texas governor, Governor Abbott, has decided to do is, hey, if the federal government is not going to do anything about our border, if they're not going to allow us to do anything about our border, I'm going to take these illegal immigrants and I'm going to ship them up to the states and the cities that are advocating for them and that are saying we need more sanctuaries and more places for them to stay. So they're heading up to Washington, D.C. They're heading up to New York City and creating an influx into these areas that now the the mayors have to respond to. And apparently now the Washington, D.C. mayor has said her city is at a tipping point with just a 5,100 illegal immigrants entering her city. So 
Well, what does that mean for Texas, where hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants are, are entering the state, all in one massive influx, the likes of which we've never seen before as a country? Yeah, I saw a tweet that said, like, you know, Texas has had over a million illegal immigrants come flood into its its state and its property, and, and, and then they've had to deal with that. And uh, 5,000 go to D.C., and they declare, uh, like, they call on the National Guard and on the verge of declaring a state of emergency. It's it's like, here's a—I think this is actually a—, a one of the more astute pieces of political maneuvering I've mm-hmm. seen by governors, because it was, I think, the Arizona governor and Texas governor both, um, just started saying, "Okay, well, we're going to ship these to the the capital of the country um, and let them experience a little bit of what 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 we're experiencing here." And there is sort of a, a delicious uh, poetic justice to it, mm-hmm. um, but but it, it all speaks to like an actual broader problem. And I think yeah. we saw today the government is moving to um, complete or a section of a wall that was left not to be completed they swore they would not when um when they took control but uh, now they're they've kind of changed their tune a little bit but Mm -hmm. i guess once you start feeling the pain of your own policies um that's what it takes to change that is what it takes the the effects of what you've advocated for have to come to your own neighborhood and that's exactly what's happening here's a quote from uh governor abbott's press secretary washington dc finally understands what texans have been dealing with every single day as our communities are overrun and overwhelmed by thousands of illegal immigrants thanks to president joe biden's open border policies there you go it's sometimes like uh do you like the taste of your own medicine how does it taste oh oh you're throwing up and you don't like it and you want to get rid of it and you don't want to deal with it anymore imagine how we feel (laughs) and uh, another person who has entered this discussion is mayor eric adams you know him as the mayor of new york city also as a former police officer this is what he said about the influx of illegal immigrants in his city This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, We already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, Translation services, there's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce and that's why we we need help in getting this done and we need the right coordination to make it happen. See, there are so many things and this is why progressivism and leftism in itself is so enticing, right? Because you get to be given these broad ideas that sound so wonderful. Open borders where anybody's able to roam wherever they like and you can flee difficult situations and you can come to a country that gives you opportunities. Sounds really nice. Sounds like a wonderful thing that if we had the ability to give to people who was truly truly in need, we would. And as a country, we do that through our actual immigration laws. But now that those are null and void, anybody who's everybody can enter this country. And he points out things that are outside of the scope of what we've even been talking about with illegal immigration. You know, we've focused on the coyotes. We've focused on, on child trafficking. We've focused on uh, female victims who are experiencing sexual assault at the border. We're focusing on crime rates that are, that are skyrocketing due to to this influx of illegal immigration. But what about resources? What about resources that would normally be available to to your children? What about jobs that we do not have the capacity of filling that are needed when you have illegal immigrants entering your country, your city, your state? There are logistical problems to this that nobody is willing to tackle, let alone acknowledge, because open borders sounds wonderful and it sounds amazing. 
much like with everything. Yeah, it's the it's the same same old problem of uh, policy by virtue signaling that ends up causing all sorts of of unintended consequences, and then the, you act surprised when it's it's suddenly happening that that your your systems are overwhelmed. Like we have limits and quotas in the. Uh, in the immigration system for a reason because there's only there there are limits to what what we can take and if you just open the floodgates, um, you're going to end up with an overwhelmed system. And I'm reminded of uh, the same kind of principle at work when you look at a city like San Francisco, where these virtue signaling policies are like, oh, well, it's uh, it's oppressive to uh, have clean streets because you have to force the people off them or anything like that. And like, mm-hmm. that's the sentiment of it is, is oh, we want to be nice to people, but you end up with an unlivable situation. Yep. And I think we're doing what San Francisco is doing and, the, and with their homeless problem is basically what uh, a picture of what we're doing as a country with this illegal immigration problem. And it, you can only ignore it for so long. And the, the funny part is the, the people who support those policies are all like moving out of San Francisco now. Right. If our whole country gets overwhelmed with this, uh, this illegal immigrant problem, um, there's nowhere else to go. We have to like address this. And that's not to say we shouldn't be lost in all this, that like, yes, a lot of these are... Um, Genuine refugees, people who are fleeing economic uh, um, and refugee situations yes. in Venezuela and stuff, and that shouldn't be without compassion. It's still, they're still very human stories. I was reading some about a, a Venezuelan family in New York that just got dropped off in the middle of the city and and didn't know where to go, and the, that that was kind of somewhat Horrifying. outside their control. Yeah. It's, but it's really not their fault. We are by having this open border policy, and the, and they know that the incentive structure is there, and that's where the issue has to be addressed. And heretofore, it hasn't been. But hopefully, um, this this tactic of busing uh, these people to the capital is drawing enough attention to make some kind of change. Yeah, because people just need to realize they, they need to be affected by what they create. That's it's, it's as simple as that. They need to have their child come home from school and be like, oh, well, mom, we don't have enough resources because all these new kids are suddenly at the school. Or now there's people who cannot uh, translate and cannot speak. The grocery stores are overwhelmed because we have all these people coming in to buy things. And we are in the middle of a recession, even though people want to go ahead and redefine what that word means. And we will get to that. Uh, but we have American citizens who are already being affected by by policies separate from that of the the open borders that we're now experiencing. And once those people people feel pushed to the wayside, guess what? They're going to be vocal about it. They're going to start to talk about it. And it's unfortunate that instead, when they could just read what's happening in Texas and go, you know what, that's a problem and we should figure out what's happening over there. Instead, you have to have people like Governor Abbott who go, nope, bust them up there and see see what happens. And it is, it is devastating. I mean, I know you guys heard the story of what, the 46 people found in the back of a truck who were dead, terrific, yeah. who, who had come to this country, hopefully for, for some sort of opportunity, you'd hope. And these are, are real people's lives. And it's it's when we talk about these issues, it's really easy to get bogged down in what is the broader conversation itself. But we forget we're talking about true individual people. We're talking about mothers and children. We're talking about families. We're talking about asylum seekers. We're talking about people who who have it very difficult in in their home country. We're talking about criminals. There's a lot of separate uh, conversations that should be circulating when we're discussing this. But instead, we're going well. No, open border sounds nice. Also, you have a a side of our of our political sphere that is saying this is an incentive for us. The more people we get over here, and the more that they attribute their now basically American citizenship to us, the more voters we can get once we once we put that into play, which is something that is being tried.
to put into play, to allow people who are undocumented to be able to voice uh, to voice their opinion and to vote. So, so many people are willing to take advantage of what are some very horrific individual situations for these people trying to get into this country. Isn't it a little ironic, too? Wasn't it New York, uh, the city or a borough that was trying to uh, institute some sort of... Um open voting for even non-citizens mm-hmm. recently. Yep. And I can't remember if that was under uh, Mayor Eric Adams. I'm not quite sure. But right. yes, that was something that New York tried to do is to allow people who were undocumented to be able to voice their opinion in their elections. So can you imagine that maybe there's a little bit of incentive to sway the American vote a few hundred thousand, if not millions, uh, by the time this is all said and done? That's it, guys. And as Tom Soule would say, if you are not enforcing your immigration policy and legislation, you don't have any. So we live in a country that essentially has open borders. And you would not be uh, wrong in saying America's an open border country. And even though we're so racist Mm -hmm. and and a horrible, oppressive place for minorities, they're still flocking here by the tens of thousands. I wonder why. They're just coming to be oppressed. I guess They're coming to be oppressed by us. Yeah. Yeah, Unbelievable. Uh, Now let's move on, guys. Uh, When you're looking around at the state of the economy right now, maybe the rates of inflation, how expensive your gas is, how maybe your commute to work is hurting your hurting your pockets a little bit. Maybe your grocery bill is a little bit more expensive than it was before, considering we have rates of inflation, the likes of which we've never seen before in this country. Wikipedia has decided uh, to go ahead and change the definition of recession. We've seen the press secretary also try to do the same and say, well, technically, we're not in a recession, which I believe the technical definition, not the one stated by Wikipedia, is two quarters of economic decline, correct? Yeah, until five minutes ago, that was uh, agreed upon by all the people saying now that they've never heard of that definition before. I've seen a video on social media of uh, Bill Clinton and George Bush sitting together, uh, George H.W. Bush, mm-hmm. or no, George W. Bush, mm-hmm. <laughs> say, agreeing on that, as the using that as the definition. I've seen there's some spokesman for the current administration's economic policy that was out there um, on video recently saying that that's not the technical definition of a recession and the same person about eight years ago is on video saying exactly what that it is so there's just been yeah yeah yeah, dece yeah so it's it's just a bunch of wordplay and games and and it's it's adapting the definition of words to fit a political side or agenda right and it's just This is why language is so powerful and why these things must be called out when definitions change. And definitions do change quite often. The definition of feminism has changed quite largely from when it was first enacted and and, and used. The definition of racism has changed largely since we first decided what that word meant. And now the definition of recession on Wikipedia uh, has changed and now says that there is no global consensus on the definition of a recession. And that was added on July 20. Seventh. Oh, isn't that super convenient? And guess what? To that I say, does there need to be a global consensus on what the definition of a recession is? Because certainly there's a United States consensus on that, and that is two quarters of economic decline. And what have we experienced? I think we're in a recession. (laughs) I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that's exactly what we've experienced. But... If you change the definition and you just market that to people and that's all people see, that's all they hear, that's all they read, that's all they know. Right. And, it, and it's it's so dumb because it, it makes it's a maybe you could say it's an effective piece of political maneuvering because they are the effort is to make the argument about what the definition of a recession is 
and not about the fact that you can't afford groceries anymore. Yep. And it's like, whether you call it a recession or not, I'm still paying $7 a gallon for gasoline out here in California. And uh, groceries are un- is more expensive than ever. Um, think car- used cars are unaffordable. Like So many things are up. Uh, are getting insanely expensive and wages aren't increasing and inflation is is making my money worth less. And so that's all happening regardless of whatever label you want to put on it. Right. Americans are Americans are poor. Yes, exactly. And in all of this that they do is seemingly in an effort to just distract you from what's right outside your door and what you're going to continue to experience. And the good thing about all this all these horrible things is that I think Americans are waking up to it. And as much as you can go on Twitter and see that the definition is changed on Wikipedia, it doesn't change what's happening in your household. And hopefully they know who to hold accountable when the time comes. And that's not to say there aren't conservatives who need to be held accountable and Republicans who need to be held accountable as well. But hopefully people are just keeping inventory of these things. And it's not just like how it happens with the news cycle and everything changes and changes and changes. Yeah, I feel like we saw this also with uh, the word immunization, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, recently. Um, And it was very much a part of our life for two straight years, and it still is, honestly. Um, But now it's just shifted to a new crisis and like, oh, let's let's uh, kind of control this in the manner in which we want to and make sure everybody else sees it through this specific lens. Right. A hundred percent. Like, uh, yeah, immunization used to be yeah, natural. Immunization used to be a part of that whole definition, too. Doesn't seem to be a part of that anymore. With racism, what did racism used to be? It used to be anybody from any sort of racial group could be racist to another and could judge somebody and view them as superior or inferior. And now what do they tell you? Racism is something that is directly linked to a structure of power and privilege or a system. So black people can't be racist. Hispanics can't be racist. Asians can't be racist. The definition shifts and then they add it into what is the cultural zeitgeist of the time. And then suddenly we've just accepted that as being real. And if you needed more to just hone in on this point, here is a tweet where the definition of the word definition has been changed on Wikipedia. It now says definitions cannot be easily set into categories as meanings evolve to meet the needs of societal change. I'm so sorry, but the definition of recession doesn't change to meet the needs of societal change. The definition of racism or feminism or immunization does not change to meet the needs of a society. Yeah, and look at just the words that they're using, a fluid statement of meaning. (laughs) What does that remind you of? This whole gender fluidity movement. It's this new influx of a postmodern ideology that has basically become the mainstream way of thinking in our culture. That is, there's there's no truth. Everything's fluid. And if I can use my institutional power to change the dictionary definition of a word, then I'm changing somehow reality. And that is not the case. You cannot use uh, your institutional power, whether that's through academia, whether that's through what you write in a dictionary or an encyclopedia or what you put on TV. You cannot change reality and real is real and the the purpose of definitions of words is so that we can accurately describe reality and if you're just if if they're just this meaningless fluidity thing um you're just robbing the world of any sense of objective meaning and guess what we're all just floating around in subjectivity and uh, there's you can't you can't build a successful society on that you can't build a successful life on that uh and you're just you're making you're hollowing out the foundation on which everything is built which is just truth right and and what are they going to tell you no but there's your truth there's your reality there's your definition of the phrase Mm -mm. no there's not 
there's the truth, there's the reality, there's the definition of the phrase. And that is it. And that's what needs to be, uh, what these people need to be met with at every turn when they try to change things up and use this against you, because they're not used to being met with that idea. They're not used to being corrected for the things that they're saying. And they think it's just going to be, it's just going to go off without a hitch. And it's not. You don't get to change the definition of the word definition. <laughs> I can't believe it. Did you get that list of other words that uh, I think it's a local distance tweeted it? He's, he, recession is where it starts. And then they had um, court packing is another word that they've re- redefined. Um, female is a new one that they've they've updated okay. the definition to say having a gender identity that is the opposite of male, which uh. it feels like it's still a circular definition. It's just <laughs> like they added another stop on the circle. Right. Uh, Girl is now a person whose gender identity is female instead of a female child from birth to adulthood. Um, boy is a child whose gender identity is male, of course. Uh, racism has, has also has a refined uh, re- re- revised definition. Bigot. Uh, they've just are. Yeah, they're, they're going. Changing they're changing everything and thinking that just by changing what a dictionary says and what. Uh, if you say the original definition by shaming anyone who uses that original mm-hmm. definition into accepting the new definitions, that you're somehow changing reality and you're but, just not. But they would be correct in a way because, you know, if we if we stopped talking today and if we stopped calling out the changes of these definitions and stopped posting them on Twitter and talking about them, guess what? Your next generation grows up thinking this is the definition. Your next generation grows up thinking this is the definition. And when they write the little history books that everybody gets to read in school, guess what, what viewpoint? point they write it from certainly not ours and they're certainly not going to put in that part where in 2020 they changed all the definitions and make sure all the kids know that which is wild to me and it makes me think about my own education here in the united states and what i've read in history and like what did you alter what did you change now that i'm so cognizant of the power that people have to do that there's probably so much that we do not know and i can't imagine what it's going to look like moving forward now that people have decided they're going to harness the power of being able to change and abbreviate and revise everything to fit their own worldview so good luck kids of the future <laughs> yeah, my goodness it's uh, it's orwellian i mean in in 1984 they he writes like there is no history except the history that the party said and there's no reality yeah. except the endless present that whatever the party says is always right and uh, you know we don't have like a central party that's pulling all the strings per se in our culture but there is this mainstream ideology that if you don't subscribe to then you're silenced and censored and shamed and uh meanwhile the the mainstream ideology is just being blasted everywhere possible down to kids and it's being rewritten in our history books and 1619 project type stuff and uh it it's creating a world in which the reality that they want you to live in is the reality that you're you're going to experience if you are just born into this world and the actual objective truth or what actually happened in history is irrelevant to how they want you to see the world and how they want you to think and live Right. And here's another language change. Let's look at the headline of this article. Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine advising hospitals to use term father's milk and, quote, lactating person, end quote, instead of nursing mother because it's more, quote, gender inclusive, end quote. Clown world, end quote. This is the world that we're living in. And 
what I what I can hope, uh, if nothing else, is that the people who grow up in this and especially young children have just enough of their own critical thinking skills to to make sense of this and go, that doesn't sound right, miss whatever your name is. And we have seen videos of kids doing exactly that. Like, what do you mean your your pronouns are they them? That doesn't make sense in a sentence. And I hope that just kids maintain what hopefully is natural to just your own perception as a human being but we know that that can be distorted yeah i think that kids poking holes in these ideologues uh way of thinking is just evidence that common sense contradicts it Mm -hmm. um but i think we have also seen that indoctrination is effective and you can teach people to think in the terms that you want them to think Mm -hmm. and uh that's that's the danger here but stuff like this like father's milk medicine advising hospitals to use the term father's milk. It's like that is so facially absurd. You know, I my that saying I love uh, don't don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. Right. Mm-hmm. Like telling me to say father's milk is like peeing on me and saying it's raining and mm-hmm. you just believe it. It's 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 a form of gaslighting and it's like I think there's there's no limiting principle to these people's ideology because oh. when you that's what I love about libs of TikTok is it's just what mainstream leftism is when you take into its logical extreme. And yeah. if you take the uh, the gender ideology where there's no differences between men and women and biology doesn't exist and all this stuff, uh, yeah, father's milk, that that is the logical conclusion. Uh, you have to say that, that, that that's what it is. And uh, But because there's no limiting principle, my hope is that it'll get so absurd that people just cannot handle the cognitive dissonance anymore and just throw this off. But Yeah, you know, you got to think like the the people who grow up on this or learn this stuff are going to turn on something like National Geographic or like Planet Earth and learn that animals have a pretty binary system of gen of sex. I'm not even going to say gender because gender is not the term of, of sex and that this is the way that they function. Or are, are entities like that going to change well as well? Are they going to change their messaging? Is it going to be uh, the lion that identifies as men? and and the hippo that identifies as female or or the the milk giving lion or something like that are they going to have to change all this language so that you you are basically within a cult of language where you don't get to recognize what is actually true and you never get to step outside it like how are they going to circumvent that problem I don't know. I feel like this. Is, oh, my my camera died. So oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be voiceover. But right. yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Um, I feel like in the same way that we were dealing with the whole like what is a woman issue. I mean, we're still dealing with it. Yeah. But um, it, I mean, it kind of falls apart on itself. The fact that we're indicating what a father is, and that's oh, soon it'll be male. nothing. Yeah. It'll be parents' milk. It will be soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a there. We're going to progress into a phase of just completely ungendered language a hundred percent yeah i mean i i i'm already shocked at how absurd it's gotten and i can't believe there hasn't been so much pushback that just stamps out all this insanity um which makes me worry like how much further does it have to go before we hit the proverbial rock bottom right before people are like okay we're just we're done we're done with the woke stuff we're done you're done it. yeah you're done <laughs> sit down no father's milk man's man woman's a woman <laughs> right like that's it. We're just going to live in reality again. 
And I'm still waiting for us to get there. So yeah, the internet's going to also have a heyday with this uh, father's milk. You know, Urban Dictionary is going to go off the charts. Oh, tr- oh 100%. I There's saw gonna a few be... chat comments already. Yeah. There's going to be new everything. Now, guys, let's move on to uh, just a piece of, of semi-breaking news. This came out just a few hours ago. We've been talking a lot about climate change, climate hysteria. I personally am not super anti the whole climate change uh, narrative. However, I do question the hysteria around it and just how quickly things are going to be brought about and and just how much our co2 emissions affect the climate and things like ammonia and nitrogen and all these things and i certainly question anybody who's willing to put about uh, to bring about sweeping regulations in a country that all of a sudden place a lot of power a lot of land and a lot of resource in their hands while stealing it from their citizens as we're seeing in in the netherlands in the uk in america just all across the globe now but come to find out a list has been uh, submitted of the top 10 celebrities who have racked up the most co2 emissions this year using their private jets and you might be a little bit shocked to find out who's number one but let's go through all of them at number 10 we got miss Mr. Astroworld, Travis Scott. This one doesn't surprise me at all. I don't I don't imagine that he's very uh, careful about his relationship to the environment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about him other than he's like a rich, famous rapper who dated one of the Kardashians or Jenners or something, right? Yeah, and, uh, and he was the guy who got all the the trampled people at his concert. Yeah. That was that was a little bit of hysteria. Didn't he have from like him. the devil mouth thing that everyone's like at his concert? It's like a giant devil mouth that you walk into or something. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the Astro World <laughs> okay. mouth. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. That that's Travis Scott. So he's number ten. Three million tons of CO two emitted. It says. Yeah. Or three thousand tons. Uh, three thousand point three. Yeah, I don't know what the what exactly uh, <laughs> how much that actually means. But let's see. It says uh, Kylie Jenner was in hot water this week after posting a photo of her private jet, blah, blah, blah. Travis total flight time for 2022 is already uh, 8,384 minutes or 5.8 days on his private jet. Okay. Number nine. Respectable, but I'm sure we can do better. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Number nine is Oprah Winfrey, you get a house, you get a car, you get a private jet, you get a boat. Uh, I'm not surprised by this one at all. Although Oprah Winfrey is super woke. We all know that to be true. Also, I don't trust Oprah Winfrey. This might be a tangent point for the podcast, but if you guys want to know anything, I don't trust Oprah Winfrey. I think she is like... She's conspiracy spooky. theory in it all epstein island all this stuff she's in his little black book by the way uh she's a spooky lady with a lot of power yeah she's a lot that's just a me. side note i see it says her shortest flight this year was 14 minutes which alone created one ton of co2 emissions gosh just imagine i mean i can't say that i wouldn't take advantage of a private jet actually i can say that because I will tell you, I have been offered to ride on a private jet once, and I said, you know what? I'll fly commercial. Not because I'm against private jet flying, but because I'm scared of planes. <laughs> the smaller, the more risky for you, right? Yeah, yeah. The smaller uh, the plane, and the, we all know private planes crash way more than commercial planes, so I will not fly a private jet, even if I became rich enough to do that. Well, That's so just, I guess we don't have to worry about Amla taking 12 minutes. You minute don't have to worry about my LA. CO2 emissions. I will literally go to LAX, wait in line for two plus hours to get on my Delta economy seat flight uh, just for the sake of my own fear. 747. 
Yeah. I, for safety. If there's anything I'm irrational about, it is 100% flying. I'll get on a flight, right? Okay, so I got on a flight the other day, and it was Southwest in Ross Lynch. For those of you who know who, who Ross Lynch is, he's a Disney Channel star, Austin and Alley, things like that. Uh, was on my flight, and I was like, oh, yeah, Ross Lynch is on the flight. The plane's not going down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She said that before. It's like uh, like we were coming back from some conference once and like one of the other speakers was in, on the flight too and he was like someone of renown and right. I was like, oh, he's not on the plane. We'll be okay. Yeah, I'm like, there's no way a plane with a famous person is going to crash and then we, we die together. You know, there's no, statistically, it's not going to happen. Or if I see like a bunch of kids get on the plane, I'm like, oh, the plane's not going down. Everything, it's uh, going to be fine. The pilot's going to fly harder. And, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's going to be better because these kids are on the plane and because that's, that celebrity is on the seat yeah. <laughs> well whatever makes you feel better I yeah guess. you know it just helps me it just helps me calm my nerves a little bit yeah. uh so yeah number eight marky mark mark Wahlberg. is he a big climate guy no i know like uh mark ruffalo is uh mm-hmm. what's his face leonardo dicaprio let's keep our mark straight here <laughs> let's keep him straight i often get these men confused i get like matt damon leonardo dicaprio and mark Wahlberg all confused all yeah, the time they're all ben affleck's in there ben affleck's kind in of there in the same cadre yeah no I, I i can't think of much activism on the part of mark Wahlberg. so at least he doesn't have that whole hypocrisy angle going on but um you know he's number eight on the list so i guess that's an achievement of some sort yeah you've done something there number seven is kim kardashian and this is not surprising at all we shouldn't be surprised to see uh, any Kardashian on this list. I'm pretty sure Kylie took like three minute flights was like the, mm-hmm. the shortest flight she took. Wow. Which the- is like, how long do you even, how far do you even get in three minutes? Get it. I think they said it was like equivalent to a 30 to 40 minute drive here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think it was from uh, LAX to Burbank. Which again, I mean, I, by the time you like put your luggage on the plane and it's like a private get jet, on you know? and get off, I guess, but like, you can have a private car that's really comfortable and drive 20 minutes instead of having to go to an airport. Like, how far out of the way is I don't your think they have to go to, I think they have, like, special, like, landing strip areas that you can go to in any given city, and then you just land there. Like, yeah, they don't land at a normal, they don't land at LAX or Burbank or, like, you know. Yeah, private airstrips yeah, that they have out there. I'm positive they have or, some or sort of Or they have connection. a helicopter that just takes them to said airport. Right, the helicopters. Helicopters. Well, you got places to be, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Number six is Steven Spielberg. I, I just never think of Steven Spielberg when I think celebrity, but he's like super up there. He's probably more rich than a lot of these people, so that doesn't surprise me at all. He has the longest average flight time on this list at one hour and 47 minutes, so at least he's like getting his time's worth out of his <laughs> right. flights right. and not just taking these little 20-minute flights. He's going to these remote destinations to film his, his latest movie. Uh, so yeah, okay, Steven Spielberg, boring, next. Uh, Blake Shelton, baby, brother. What are some Blake Shelton songs? Can we make some puns out of Blake Shelton songs? I literally can't name one. I I'm drawing a blank. feel like... In the chat, drop some Blake Shelton songs. Yeah, what are some Blake Shelton songs? Hold sad. on, we've been doing this game with other with other. Okay, hold on. The, none of these are really good. Uh, no, none of these are good for puns. I'm so sorry. 
God's country? He's flying all uh, over God's country. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's feeling lonely tonight on his private jet. Maybe he's got his own sangria on the private jet. These aren't really good for making puns, guys. Part, part of me just hopes that they're combining both Gwen Stefani, his wife, and Blake's usage of a single private plane. Because you know, then you can make a little think. of them. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Hey. Happy uh, Anywhere. That's a good song. He's happy he's anywhere on that anywhere. on that private jet. God gave go. me you, private jet to fly anywhere i want god gave me this private jet uh number four is a rod and again you could say you we hope that well he's no longer with jennifer lopez is because she's getting married to ben affleck oh gosh they are married there's so oh they are married now gosh the divorce isn't finalized (laughs) so much celebrity news to keep up with guys don't you love it a rod care so much i was surprised by a rod i just didn't realize how rich he might be from his uh i know he's trying to buy the timberwolves right now Mm -hmm. the nba team yeah he's been in the works there interesting mlb contracts are mostly guaranteed so he got Mm -hmm. a big payday plus endorsements and his media career and all that so he's doing fine fair enough number three is Hove, Jay-Z. Even though that's not a picture of Jay-Z, I'm like wondering why they took that picture. It's like a Jay-Z in drag. Presumably that's Beyonce. (laughs) Presumably it's Beyonce. And again, we hope that they're linking up their two flights together, although it might be with Becky with the good hair. (laughs) That might be a reason to use the private jet. I'm sorry, but cheating on Beyonce, come on. I'm I'm not in the loop on this uh, cultural... uh, He cheated on Beyonce with Becky with the good hair. That... Well, she sounds like she has good hair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number two. Hold on, MCBS said, Jay-Z got 99 problems, but the climate ain't one. (laughs) 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 There's plenty of Jay-Z songs. There's plenty of Jay-Z songs. How many times did he fly to New York? (laughs) Uh, That one's good. That one's good. Uh, So, yeah, number two uh, is Floyd Mayweather. Money Mayweather. Money Mayweather. He gets a lot of money. He's got a lot, a lot of money. I'm not surprised by this at all. I'm not a fan of Floyd Mayweather as he is a wife beater, uh, but... He also doesn't strike me as a man that's terribly concerned about the environment. No, I don't think he's concerned about much anything outside of him himself (laughs) and his crew. Also, just for a second, imagine being a woman getting hit by Floyd Mayweather. I think about that every time I see his name. I just cannot. That'd be horrible. You know how I mean, much? Yes, he's a mm. trained boxer, but he's also like five foot eight or something, like and one sixty. No but, come on, but come know, on! But come on! But I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah. holy hell! When I heard that story, by like a giant man, yeah. Tyson Fury, yeah, yeah. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Tyson Fury's huge, or like like Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Oh my Oof. gosh! Just imagine. Anyways, we'll talk sports another time. And number one is. T-Swizzle, baby. Taylor freaking Swift, which, if you guys remember, is, like, super activist sometimes. She's, like, uh, gotten into many a political argument and many a political headline for her advocacy for progressive leftist policy and politicians. And in her song, Only the Young, talks about the effect of climate change on young people and, when speaking, has mentioned it as one of the most horrific things that young people are going to have to deal with in their lifetime. I knew she's she number was trouble. One. <laughs> I, she I knew she was trouble when she jet. walked in. What other what other Taylor Swift puns do we have? Uh, <laughs> when asked about climate hypocrisy, she just leaves a blank space. She's a real lover of those private jets. We know all too well how much she flies. <laughs> 
I have a list. I don't actually know these Taylor Swift songs. I'm like looking at a list of Taylor Swift songs. When she saw the list of other celebrities with their CO2 emissions, she said, hey, Steven Spielberg. (laughs) 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 That one's so bad. Uh, Don't blame me for flying around the country. Uh, she just I'm shakes out. off all the criticism. She just shakes off all the criticism. What'd you say? She knows her private jet all too well. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have any bad blood toward her, though, after all. <laughs> uh, uh, so good. If you guys think of any more Taylor Swift puns, write them down below in the comments. I can't say that I'm shocked to see that this is the reality. Let's get a, a clear depiction of just how much she has been uh, flying. Taking she probably num- flew like 1,989 times. <laughs> If she, we have to count our private jets, it's probably 22. Mm. <laughs> uh, taking the number one spot is the wholesome queen, Taylor Swift. Shockingly, Taylor has created more carbon emissions than any other celebrity at 8,293 tons, uh, racking up a total of 170 flights on her private jet since January. Taylor Swift has amassed a vast 22,923 minutes in the air or 15.9 days. Considering that she is not currently touring, this is a huge amount. Taylor's average flight time is 80 minutes with an average of 139.36 miles per flight. Slow clap for Taylor Swift. Very well done. So so 170 flights since January. I bet Taylor Swift is going to want to go back to December after reading this. (laughs) Trini in the chat says, look what you made me do to the climate. Oh, it's so good, man. Wow, wow, wow. Well, she's getting a lot of heat on this for the internet now. I think she's trending on Twitter as we speak. And I imagine the Swifties, which is her clan of fans, are going to be coming at her hard over this or defending her very hard. We all know with fandoms and celebrities, they will do anything to back the person that they know and that they love. And I don't want to really ridicule her all that much for her uh, for her place in this list and for what she's done. I just think it adds a little bit of levity. Hopefully she reads this and goes, oh yeah, maybe I'm talking about things that I don't really know about. Because again, it is so easy to hop up on your shoebox or whatever and, and say, your soapbox. Soapbox. <laughs> Maybe it's a shoebox. Maybe it's a shoebox, Taylor Swift. For me, it's a shoebox before a soapbox. It's so easy to hop up on your soapbox and go, oh, I care about the climate. Oh, I care about race. Oh, I care about feminism. Or I care about, uh, you know, the LGBTQ rights and all these things and truly not even know what your own, the own effect that you're having on these things. So many of us love to feel like armchair activists and talk about all the things that we're doing to help people and all this stuff, but we're not actually doing the work in our real life. So talk about these things and these issues when you're actually doing the work in real life. Yeah. I think a reason why it's like, it's so uh, delicious for lack of a better word to kind of see these celebrities held accountable Mm -hmm. a little bit is because so often we do see the armchair activism and they're in their ivory towers talking about defunding the police while they're surrounded by private security and living outside of town in safe neighborhoods and uh, you know they're flying around on private jets while lecturing us about the climate and saying you guys need to eat bugs and live in a pod and uh, we're 
we don't ever get to really have the ammo to fight back. But the only reason we do is this is a rare instance in which uh, flight logs are a public and uh, people yep. are just looking into this and holding people accountable, which tells you something about the power of transparency. And like so much hip- hypocrisy and corruption happens where transparency is lacking. And this is just one yep. instance where mm-hmm. we have a little bit of transparency and we can see the hypocrisy. And the world would be a better place if we uh, did hold our celebrities and elites accountable for uh, imposing their uh, their views and, and their ideas on us um, that they're not even they don't even believe themselves. And you can 100%. talk about the covid situation and, and how they were dining out and not wearing masks when they're imposing all those and supporting lockdowns. And uh, but, you know, transparency goes a long way. And I think it should be like a norm in our society, in our government as much as we can. Just free transparency. Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, you see all these celebrities, any given award show, any given time they get the chance. Oh, my God. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody that worked on this project, but also insert the current political message of the time here. And I'm like, I'm so distraught about this. And you, you listening at home, you do something about it. You know, these people who want to hop up and talk about things like climate, talk about, uh, you know, all any given social issue while they and their normal lives are perpetuating the problem more often than not. You know, these celebrities who come up and want to talk about race and enslavement and people being harmed but they're making their money from places like China that is actively invested in slave labor and in holding down free speech and, and, and going against its people at any given turn that it gets the chance. So it is good to see these people sort of get called out. And I'll be interested to see what Taylor Swift's response to this is. Knowing her, it's probably going to be a very sweet, innocent, guys, I'm so sorry, and I will work to do better on this in the future, knowing her. And I think that's okay. And it's not something that we need to dog on her on dog on her for or like yell at her for, but just it's noted. You know, now this is something that you have in your brain and you go, that's noted when the next time she says something about what you need to do. Yeah, maybe she'll think twice about, you know, lecturing other people about the climate now when it's publicly known that she's not living by her own standards that she's imposing on other people. And that's really mostly all people can ask for. What what makes people we can disagree on on how the the, the measures that should be taken to address uh, climate and global warming or whatever. But uh, don't be a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes that's where people uh, just get you lose them immediately and you're putting your career on the line by doing all this virtue signaling if you don't have the lifestyle to back it up and we address that in the work that we do so often you know we talk about these issues on any given day and it's so easy it would be so easy for us every day to just come in here and sit down and start talking to you guys and tell you all the things that need to change and all the things that need to happen but it's another thing for us to go out and do things and say you know this is an issue that we've recognized that we want to contribute to solving and that's what we try to do so uh, hopefully the same can be said to some of these celebrities who like to talk about all the things that they do. Uh, You can open up the conversation and talk about these politicians and the transparency that they need with the amount of insider training that they're doing, lining their pockets with the regulations and and working with these companies in this synergistic relationship where they make all this money and we're none the wiser because we don't get to see what they do. And in everything in life, I think, I mean, we don't need to know everything that anybody does at any given day. There's tons of things that the government does that maybe does not need to be the knowledge of the citizens and maybe it is in our best interest that they stay secret. But there are other things that we need transparency with and we need to hold people accountable for, especially if they're going to talk about it. Now, if Taylor Swift had never said a thing about climate change and it had not been an issue for her and it had not been something that she told us about and said was a horrific problem that we needed to fix, I wouldn't be talking about her this much. But she did. Right. And she has. Right. And that's that's the point. Yeah. Just 
don't be a hypocrite. That's not, it's not, it shouldn't be that hard. But yep. I think there's such a, an incentive and a reward or perceived reward to just virtue signal in our culture right now and, uh, it, and, and an incentive to beat the drum of whatever you're supposed to be beating for the, uh, the for, you know, virtue points um, that, that it's an irresistible thing. Even if you know that you're flying all around the country, you still got to say something. You just had yep. to. So. Yep. Just like with the, the climate summit that happens every year and they all take their private jets there so much so that they cause traffic on the taxiways. So this is just another drop in the bucket for this discussion. And again, for, for those of you who watch who maybe feel a little bit of climate anxiety, think about all the people who have a direct hand in, quote, solving this problem, who are contributing it, to it on a daily basis. And, and that's the thing, you know, uh, if you truly thought that this was the end of civilization, if you truly thought this meant not only the end of Earth, but the end of your own life, would you be flying in your private jet to talk about it at the climate summit? And if anything, that that hypocrisy should help you sleep soundly at night, that the people who are telling you you're going to be the most affected and that you run the risk of losing your life are the ones contributing to it. So clearly they don't believe what it is they're actually saying. And you can use that life lesson in any with any social issue. And that sums up today's show thank you guys so much for watching comment down below were there celebrities that you thought were going to be on this list uh that weren't and did you anticipate miss taylor swift being number one on the list uh if you saw something that you liked today and you agree with put that in the comments down below if you heard something you disagree with put that in the comments down below and if there's a point that you wish we made that we didn't drop that in the comments down below and let's promote some healthy discussion among all of us, I do love to read what you guys are talking about. And please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we go live. We will be doing subscriber-only chat on the show from here on out. So you do got to subscribe in order to get into these hot conversations that we're having every single day. And guys, I think that's it. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and I'll see you soon. Enjoy Bye. that cruel summer. Don't have any champagne problems. <laughs> get in your getaway car. <laughs> Bye, Bye, guys. guys.